Welcome to Music History Monday for October 10th, 2022. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Vladimir Alexandrovich Dukelsky, also known as Vernon Duke. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the birth on October 10th, 1903, 119 years ago today, of the Russian-American composer of concert music, Vladimir Alexandrovich Dukelsky. As a composer of popular music and as a major contributor to the great American songbook, he is known as Vernon Duke. The Great American Songbook. The Great American Songbook refers to neither a book nor a specific list of songs. Rather, the phrase encompasses the repertoire of American popular song written between about 1915 and 1955 that are today collectively referred to as the standards. According to what should be the unimpeachable source, the Great American Songbook Foundation, quote, the Great American Songbook is the canon of the most important and influential American popular songs and jazz standards from the early 20th century that have stood the test of time in their life and legacy. Often referred to as American standards, the songs published during the golden age of this genre include those popular and enduring tunes from the 1920s to the 1950s that were created for Broadway theater, musical theater, and Hollywood musical film." Unquote. You didn't have to be born in America to be a contributor to the great American songbook. In fact, some of the greatest contributors to the songbook were not born in America. For example, among the greatest of them all was Irving Berlin, 1888 to 1989, whose catalog as both a composer and lyricist includes not just hundreds of songs, but songs that have become virtual American anthems, including God Bless America, White Christmas, Alexander's Ragtime Band, Cheek to Cheek, Putting on the Ritz, and there's no business like show business. Irving Berlin was born Israel Bailin in the Siberian city of Tumen, where his father was an itinerant Jewish cantor. The family emigrated to the United States when Berlin was five, arriving on Ellis Island, where they were quarantined, on September 14, 1893. Berlin grew up on Manhattan's Lower East Side, and he learned his life lessons, and presumably his music as well, on the streets and in the cafes, saloons, and restaurants of the Lower East Side. The point. To be a recognized composer of the Great American Songbook, you don't have to be American by birth. You just had to be living and working in America at the time you wrote your hit song or songs to be so included. Vladimir Alexandrovich Dukelsky, 
1969. Dukelski was born on October 10, 1903, 119 years ago today, in the Belarusian town of Parafianovo, near Minsk, in what was then the Russian Empire. His family was of the minor nobility, specifically the small gentry class, which meant that they could own and hold hereditary land. Dukelski's hereditary ties to the Russian nobility might well have been more impressive than that. According to the 1954 edition of Grove's Dictionary of Music and Musicians, his paternal grandmother, who was born as Princess Tumanishvili, was directly descended from the kings of Georgia. We'd observe that the most recent edition of Grove's Dictionary, in an article updated in 2010, makes no such mention. Dukelski remembered, quote, My parents were well-to-do people in the sugar business. I was slated for a diplomatic career, so at age four I started the study of languages. But before I was seven, I was trying to compose." Unquote. At the crazy tender age of eight, the young Vlad had completed a 14-act opera. Bless them, the grown-ups around the boy saw what was doing and decided that he should be studying music. For Maestro Tukelsky, that meant the Kiev Conservatory, where he studied with the well-known Russian-slash-Soviet composer Reinhold Glier. 1875 to 1956, from 1916 to 1919. And then, in 1919, everything fell apart for the Dukelsky family. Russia's new communist overlords were not well disposed to families of the nobility, be they of the small gentry class or related to the Tumanishvili dynasty of Georgia. It was in 1919 during the midst of the Russian Civil War, which ran from 1917 to 1923 and took at least 10 million lives, the vast majority of them being civilians, that the Dukelsky family pulled up stakes and ran for their lives. The Dukelskys landed in Constantinople, today Istanbul, where young Vladimir experienced what was by his own admission his Eureka moment. It was there in Constantinople, that the 17-year-old Dukelski, while putting together concerts for the local Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA, came across the sheet music for George Gershwin's song, Swanee, with lyrics by Irving Caesar. Written in 1919 and published in 1920, the song was literally hot off the presses. A link is attached to Al Jolson's famous 1920 recording of Swanee. For our information, George Gershwin, 1898-1937, wrote Swanee when he was 21 years old. Ironically, it was not just his first hit, but the best-selling song of his career as well. Vladimir Dukelsky played through the sheet music of Swanee and was gobsmacked, sending him into self-proclaimed ecstasies and, by his own admission, making him, quote, an early jazz fiend, unquote. Okay, early jazz 
Swanee was not. But Dukelski didn't know that, and neither did he care. He was hooked, and he decided that meeting George Gershwin was at the very tip-top of his bucket list. That meeting took place much sooner than later. In 1921, the Dukelski family acquired what was, for them, the golden tickets, American visas. Traveling in steerage on the SS King Alexander, the family were processed at Ellis Island before being released onto the presumably gold-paved streets of the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Vladimir Dukelski wasted no time in seeking out George Gershwin and by 1922 they were, so he told it, quote, inseparable. George was my earliest musical idol, unquote. Soon after they met, Dukelski played for George, quote, an extremely cerebral piano sonata, unquote, of his own composition. Having listened, Gershwin offered up the following advice, quote, there's no money in that kind of stuff, and no heart in it either. Try to write some real popular tunes, and don't be scared about going lowbrow. They will open you up." Unquote. Famously, it was Gershwin who proposed that for the purpose of writing popular music, Dukelski should Americanize his name, to which end he, Gershwin, suggested Vernon Duke. That suggestion stuck. When Dukelski slash Duke became a naturalized American citizen in 1939, he legally changed his name to Vernon Duke, though we continued to sign his concert works and his Russian language poetry as Vladimir Dukelski until 1955. Dukelski slash Duke remained in New York until 1924. It was during this period, in 1923, that he composed a piano concerto for the great Arthur Rubinstein, which, unfortunately, went unorchestrated and unperformed. But not unorchestrated and unperformed today. It was orchestrated by the pianist and conductor Scott Dunn in 1998 and given its premiere by Dunn in Carnegie Hall in 1999. Dunn's recording of the concerto, made in 2006, will be one of the featured recordings in tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post. Between 1922 and 1924, Gershwin threw Dukelski Duke a few lucrative bones. He, Gershwin, introduced Dukelski to his publisher, Max Dreyfus, and in 1924, Gershwin hired him to arrange Rhapsody in Blue for solo piano. That solo version is sold to this day, for which Vladimir slash Vernon received in 1924 a fee of $100, certainly not a princely sum given its sales during the last 98 years. In 1924, the 21-year-old Dukelski ventured off to Paris where he was commissioned to compose a ballet for the Ballet Russe by its famed director, Serge Diaghilev. Entitled Zephyr and Flora, with choreography by Leonid Massin and scenery by the cubist Georges Braque, it was staged during the 1925 Ballet Russe season, and it was a hit. 
Sergei Prokofiev, who was living in Paris at the time, was enthralled with Dukelsky's music and described it as being full of, quote, superior melodies, very well designed, harmonically beautiful, and not too modernist, unquote. Prokofiev, who rarely said anything nice about anyone, befriended Dukelsky, and they remained close and saw each other frequently until Prokofiev was permanently locked away in the Soviet Union, forbidden to leave the country in 1938. Vladimir Dukelsky slash Vernon Duke thus became the only person on the planet who was besties with both George Gershwin and Sergei Prokofiev. He called them his, quote, two best and most cherished friends in music, unquote. Dukelsky wrote about the similarities of these two seemingly different men and musicians. Quote, Both were endowed with exceptional pianistic gifts. Both were blessed with a great gift for melody, the essential trademark of every first-rate composer. Both appealed strongly to the people's imaginations. Both had pronounced nationalist traits without a trace of chauvinism. Gershwin was as genuinely American, although of Russian antecedents, as Prokofiev was profoundly Russian. Neither practiced the synthetic art of pastiche, meaning here using pre-existing music in their own work. Neither rationalized, preached, or issued grandiloquent advance notices of their own work. Both readily embraced music foreign to their nature, provided it was the work of an authentic musician." Unquote. While living in Paris and working with the Ballet Russe, Dukelsky became part of Serge Diaghilev's entourage, and having done so, became what was described in his obituary as, quote, a serious practitioner of la vie artistique, the life artistic, unquote. He wore purple shirts, orange cravats, sported baby orchids in his lapel, carried around a shepherd's crook as a cane, and went nowhere without his monocle. Dukelsky slash Duke moved on to London, where, between 1926 and 1929, he composed for the stage, and, we are told, took up a rather more subdued wardrobe, though the monocle stayed until the mid-1930s. He returned to the United States for good in 1929, at which time, as Vernon Duke, his stage, popular song, and movie career truly took off. We will pick up the story from here in tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.